this is Alex Moore, lead pastor of New Life Community Church in Kansas City, Missouri. Thanks for taking time to listen to this message. For more information or to donate, visit newlifekc.com. Well, hey, everybody. Welcome to our series called Comfort and Joy. And uh, as you can tell from the video today, we're talking about joy. And as we're watching that video, my parents are sitting beside me here on the front row. And they're saying things like, that kid's going to get in trouble. That spanking's coming. And so some of you are like, what? But there is such a joy about Christmas. And we're going to talk about that a little bit today. And so um, it is hard to believe that one week from today, we're going to be gathered right back here in this room for our Christmas Eve service. Uh, We're going to have a special time of singing some Christmas carols together. We're going to look at the Christmas story, and we're going to have a special candle lighting ceremony. And so I'm really excited uh, for you to join us for that next week. Now, when we were kids, there was almost nothing that could compare to the joy and the excitement that we would have for Christmas morning. Do you guys remember what that was like? Like, it was like the anticipation was so great. Like, it was so hard to go to sleep the night before, and you were just ready, and and you were just dreaming about, like, what might be tomorrow, and it was always going to be so good. And then there was all of the waiting leading up to Christmas, you know? Like, it was, for us, like, we had a rule, and I know people don't follow this rule anymore, but it was not until after Thanksgiving that the Christmas tree went up. I know some people are like, no, we're putting the Christmas tree up after Halloween. Halloween because we need more time to celebrate. But for me, it was Thanksgiving. And from Thanksgiving all the way until Christmas, man, that seemed like an eternity. Like the days were turning into weeks and the weeks and the months. This was forever waiting. And then we decorated the house. And so everywhere we looked, it was Christmas. We went to the store. It was Christmas. You turned on the radio. It was Christmas. You went to church. It was Christmas. Everything was Christmas, but it wasn't here yet. And we found ourselves in this waiting. I just wanted to be here and it's not here yet. Uh, It's like my boys, we have a a countdown now at the house to where they know how long it is until Christmas because the question every day of, is Christmas tomorrow, was killing us. So no, (laughs) go look at that little countdown. Where are we at? And so we have like this little wise man and it's got a star and and now the fight is who gets to move the star one day closer. And they're like, oh, we know it's only 12 days till Christmas. Oh, it's only 10 days till Christmas. So we're having fun with it, but there's that excitement and joy because there's an anticipation for it. And when you think about your experience as a kid when it came to Christmas, you were full of hope. You were very hopeful. You don't know what Christmas was going to behold. You know that there was something that was going to happen. You know maybe gifts were going to be involved. You knew the family was going to be there. But other than that, you really didn't know specifics. And so I'd like to think about it like this. As a kid, I had such great hope for Christmas because I was actually embracing the mystery of Christmas. There were so many things I didn't know. These wrapped gifts, what's in them? I don't know, but I'm so hopeful. It's so exciting. I'm full of hope for Christmas. And not only am I full of hope for Christmas as a kid, but I'm also full of peace. There's a peacefulness that I have. I I never have once thought on Christmas morning that I'm going to open a gift and something inside that gift is going to hurt me. Like, I'm going to open it and a snake's going to pop out and bite me in the neck, you know. Never had that thought till just now. Uh, 
There, there, there's never a thought that I was going to stick my hand into the stocking and there was going to be a mousetrap in there and it was going to get my fingers. I never had that concern. I never had that fear because I didn't approach Christmas with skepticism of whether it was going to be good or not. I believed wholeheartedly it was going to be good. I was at peace. I don't know what it is. There's a mystery. I'm hopeful, but I'm at peace knowing that whatever the mystery is, it's not a bad one. It's a good one. And because I'm full of hope and I'm full of peace, it just naturally came with a sense of joy. And here's the crazy thing about joy. Sometimes we think that kids are just, you know, selfish, snotty little brats that want toys. And while that may be true to some degree, the truth of the matter is if you think back to yourself as a child, you were full of joy before you opened the presents. When you woke up on Christmas morning and your eyes popped off the pillow, I guess your eyes don't pop off the pillow, your eyes popped open, your head popped off the pillow, and then you woke your parents up and you're like, hey, it's Christmas, you were full of joy before you received the gift. The gift only accentuated the joy you already had. Christmas, it's a time of hope. It's a time of peace. It's a time of joy, and of course, it's a time of love anticipation. It's so exciting looking forward to Christmas. And these are the same themes that we've been celebrating here and considering as we approach Christmas. Um, As you guys know, this here are our Advent candles. And I don't know about you. I, I know a lot of you grew up like me. I didn't grow up in a liturgical church. We didn't follow the liturgical calendar. Um, so the idea of Advent, I had not really heard of, like, I'd been exposed to the word. I didn't really know what it meant. And as I've taught you guys, Advent just simply means arrival. But as an adult, as I've looked at this liturgical calendar, as I've looked at the church calendar, there's such great meaning and depth and symbolism behind what they do. And I know a lot of times in a liturgical church, things happen and it just goes by and it doesn't carry any meaning, but there's significance to the meaning and symbolism. And so each week in a liturgical church, what they would do is they have kind of this visual countdown and they would have different candles. And so the first candle that they would would light would be the candle of, anybody? Hope. Oops, hope almost went out, hope's back. Hope. That when Jesus Christ would come, he would bring hope into the world, the same type of hope that we have for Christmas morning. And the second candle that we would light as we would prepare, which would have been last week, is the candle of peace. That I'm at peace. I'm not a skeptic. I'm not concerned. I know it's going to be good. And today we are lighting the, the third candle. I like to consider this the extroverted candle of the bunch. All the others are purple. But this one, it is pink. Uh, It is different. It is standing out in its own kind of way. And I think that's very appropriate for the joy candle. Uh, I, I, I... because Advent is so new, like it's not something I grew up with, I'm, I'm intrigued by it. Like when did people start to celebrate Advent? When did the candles come about? And what's up with the colors? How did all this come about? And I'm just nerdy enough to pursue the answers to all of these things. And so the purple is just simply a color that's always been associated with royalty. It's also a color that tends to be one of reflection and of penance in the Catholic tradition, one of r- expressing sorrow for sin, one of looking inward and preparing your heart. And so when it comes to Advent, um, Advent wasn't a part of kind of the church calendar until the fifth century. 
up until that point, the church was all about the resurrection of Jesus. Can somebody say amen? That's a good one, right? Right? So it's all about the resurrection of Jesus. And that happened on what? We celebrated on Easter, right? Easter Sunday. But in the liturgical calendar, and if you grew up Catholic, you may remember this, is that there was a season preceding Resurrection Sunday that was known as, anyone? Lent. That's right. Some of you are like, that's right. That's when we're supposed to give something up. We're supposed to fast. We're to give something up to prepare our hearts to remember the resurrection. And so Lent was the first thing on the calendar because we were excited about the resurrection of Jesus, and it was a time of preparing my heart to remember how important Jesus' resurrection was. It was a time to say, I want to prepare myself to commemorate this event that changed the history of the world. But then the church, about the 5th century, began to say, you know what? He couldn't have been resurrected if he wasn't born. Like, there's a significance to what we would call the incarnation, which is where God becomes man. And if God never became man, he couldn't have been the man to take on the sins of the world to forgive us of our sin. And so we want to celebrate the initiation of our salvation progress. The salvation began when God sent Jesus to earth. That began the pathway for us to be able to have salvation. And so we today celebrate Advent that was created in the same spirit as Lent. It was to be a time of reflection, a time of preparing our hearts to celebrate and commemorate what Jesus had done. We're not commemorating the resurrection. That's for Lent. Advent is to commemorate the fact that Jesus is here with us. Isn't that beautiful? There's hope, man. There's peace. There's joy. And I love just the meaning of it. Um, some people are like, well, why is there four candles? The, the history behind this was that they looked at the Bible and they said, you know what? From Adam and Eve in the garden, remember they were created perfect and then they, they messed it up. They ate some stuff they weren't supposed to eat. They said, you know what? I want to be king in my own life. And when they did that, until Jesus showed up on the scene, there were 4,000 years. And each candle is to represent 1,000 years of us waiting of us in anticipation of this coming Savior. And as we light each candle, it's to represent that He is coming. We're getting closer to His advent, His arrival. So today we're on our extroverted candle, uh, the pink candle, sometimes called the rose-colored candle. Um, and we're going to talk about joy. So we're going to go to the most familiar passage on Christmas, Luke chapter 2. Let's take a look here at verse number 8 through 11. We're kind of jumping into the middle of the story, but it's going to help us for where we're going. And it says, And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby. How many of you would like to live in a field? No humble abode, no tent. We just live in the dream. These are like those nomads. Yeah, like I'm just out. I'm not living with mom and dad no more. Here we go. They were living out in the fields nearby, so they're not too far, and they were keeping watch over their flocks at night. Why would a shepherd do that? To protect them, right? It's scary when it's dark, and there's things that might want to come and eat those sheep, and so these shepherds are like, you know what? We're just gonna, we're just gonna set up camp right here. We're just gonna keep it with the sheep. We're gonna keep watch, and as they're doing this, this wasn't an unnormal thing or an unusual thing. This is just standard day. We're out here. And I don't know. What do you think it smelled like out there? 
Yeah, it smelled like field and the things that come with field. <laughs> Have you ever been when they just move dirt somewhere and you're like, what does that smell? And it's like, oh, that's dirt. <laughs> then you go to a farm and you're like, oh, that's manure. <laughs> Put it all together. That's what these guys, they're living like that. They live in the dream. Verse number nine, it says, well, they're out here in the fields, they're watching their sheep. An angel of the Lord appeared to them. Can you imagine? They ain't never seen a flashlight. Boom! An angel of the Lord appeared to them. But it's dark. I don't know. He might be, you know, fluorescent. <laughs> they see in him. He is appearing to them. And the glory of the Lord, the goodness of God shone around them. Oh, we got some light going on here. And guess what? They were terrified. If I was with a youth group, I'd say a little pee came out. <laughs> but that may not be Sunday appropriate. Verse 10, but the angel said to them, ah, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great what? Joy. Joy for, for who? For all the people. Not some of the people, not a few of the people, not just the people that are here in the field, for all the people. And he continues, the angel says, today, oh, it's today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. I don't know if you know this or not, but Miss Annette here, her son's wife went into labor this morning. And she's been waiting all morning for a report. Is, is the baby here? And you know what? There's anticipation. There's excitement. And at 10 o'clock this morning as we're starting church, the baby showed up. <laughs> and do you know how she feels? Thrilled out of her mind. She didn't think her kids were ever going to procreate. You know, she's so excited. Healthy baby. And she's looking forward to going and seeing this child. These shepherds are given this birth announcement. Hey, guess what? It didn't come as a text message. God sent his text messengers. Hey, here comes, here comes Jesus. Angels communicate this today in the town of David. A savior. What, what's a savior? Someone who saves you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You guys are you're on it. A savior has been born to you. In other words, you needed saving, and guess what? The savior's here. I remember as a kid, I, uh, I have a sister 10 years older than me. Uh, grandma had like a pool at her place, and so uh, my sister was on you know babysitting duty, and so we're at the pool. She's 15, 15 year old girls, you're just laying out. They don't care one thing about getting in the water. They're just soaking up their sun. I'm five. I fall into the water. Does my sister know I fell into the water? The answer is no, because when you're swallowing water, you can't talk. And when you're disoriented in the water, it doesn't matter if you could stand up in it or not. You don't know where to stand, you don't know where to put your feet. I was in need of rescue. And that moment of panic and fear, you know how your head goes. You're like, is this the end? Is this it? 
even at five, you're freaked out. Luckily, my hand found the side of the pool. <laughs> Pull myself up. Like, <gasps> my sister looks at me, what's going on? <laughs> I almost died, woman. <laughs> we are so much like I was at five years old. We, we are drowning. We are in need of saving. The problem is, is so many of us think that we're swimming. <laughs> we're swallowing water, but we're like, no, I'm doing fine. <laughs> this is swimming. <laughs> no, it's not good, and it's not going to last very long. We're in need of a Savior, and the good news that came to these shepherds, that today in the town of Bethlehem, listen, it just isn't any birth. This isn't a relative that's been born to you. No, no, no. A Savior has been born to you. Your life's broken. It's messed up. You're not thinking things right. You believe things that aren't true. You're hurt. You're trying to keep appearances up. Your marriage needs help. You know that you're not where you ought to be. There's the quiet inner struggles that you have, but you know what? God so loves you that he sent his son to save you. And he's been born. He is the Messiah, the Lord. And that is good news, not just for the people 2,000 years ago, but for all the people. This is good news for you and me. It is good news. A couple weeks ago, we talked about the, the classic Christmas song, God Rest Ye Merry Gentlemen. You guys remember that? God rest ye merry gentlemen, let nothing you dismay. Remember Christ our Savior was born on Christmas Day. Why? To save us all from Satan's power when we were gone astray. Oh, tidings of comfort and joy. The reason we're to have joy as Christians is because he came to save us. We so love happiness in our world, and, and we could do a whole sermon on the difference between happiness and joy. And if you've been in church, you've heard that sermon. Cliff Notes version, happiness is based on your circumstances. Joy is not. So many of us want happiness. And you know what we do? It's like, it's like a kid going to a playground, and what you do is you go and you sit down on the seesaw. Anybody been on the seesaw? Yes. And you're sitting there, and you're wanting to have fun, and you're wanting to be happy, and you're waiting for somebody to come and sit on the other side. You're waiting for somebody to come and to elevate you. <laughs> Yay! But nobody's coming. And you're wondering where your happiness is in life. God, where are you? God, I want to be happy. And we think that happiness is this external thing that someone or something else is going to provide us that's going to elevate us. But what if that's not the goal? I mean, it's not a very good place to be. If we go for joy and we stick with the playground illustration, it's not a seesaw, it's a swing set. Do you know I can go get on a swing? I can get that swing going. I can find some joy in a swing. It's not based on anybody else. It's not based on the circumstances. I can start kicking my feet. I can start getting my momentum going. If somebody wants to come along and push, that's fun. I'll take an underdog. Remember those? Those are fun. But even if not, we can still get some joy because it's not based on what other people are doing or our circumstances. It's based upon me being in a right standing and doing what I'm supposed to do. Why should we be joyful? 
Well, number one, we should be joyful because God sent his son to be born of a virgin. Hey, that's pretty good news. Why should I be joyful? Because I did nothing to deserve it and he still loves me. Oh, that's a pretty good reason to be joyful. Why should I be joyful? Because this earth is not my home. Oh my goodness, thank goodness. There's like an election year coming up and I don't know what's going to happen. <laughs> hey, say my home. It's all going to be okay. I'm not in charge. Oh, that's good news. Somebody else is in charge. I like that. I like that. We read in Isaiah, and this is kind of prophetic words that were spoken hundreds of years before Jesus uh, was born, about what would happen when Jesus came and about the response that people would have to Jesus. And, and, and if you haven't had this response, well, this is the response that you should have. This is Isaiah chapter 51, verse 11. It says that those the Lord has rescued, right? So you're in need of a Savior, and if you allow Him to save you, for those the Lord has rescued will return, and here's what they will do. They will enter Zion with what? Singing. Singing. Let's sing. You don't sing when you're mad. You sing when you're happy. They will enter Zion with singing everlasting joy. That is joy that lasts forever. That will crown their heads. Gladness. I like gladness. And joy will overtake them. You ever been tackled? You're getting tackled by gladness and joy. And guess what? Sorrow and sighing. Oh, I've heard some of you guys. Ugh. You've been sighing. Christmas, ugh. my life, ugh. my work, ugh. my boss. Ugh. <laughs> All that, that flees away. How cool is that? See, I think the problem for a lot of us is that in our minds, Jesus is has somehow been divorced from, from joy. We don't think about Jesus being joyful. We think about him being, I don't know, serious and stern. Jesus is no joking matter. We need to be serious. He died for the sins of the world. Heaven and hell are on the line. We're talking about eternity. <laughs> We can sometimes become so bipolar in how we think about him, but have you ever thought about the fact that people wanted to be around him? If he was a creep and a weirdo, nobody would have followed him. There was something about him. People wanted to be around him. He's showing up to the party. Some of you are like, I don't like party Jesus. I like on the cross, dying Jesus. No, no. <laughs> party Jesus is who people followed. He showed up at the wedding. I bet he was dancing. You're like, no. He did turn water into wine, so I think dancing's okay. <laughs> There's something about Jesus that we sometimes divorce him from joy, but like when we understand who he is, we have to be filled with joy. It's the most exciting thing ever. But we miss it. We miss it. Let me tell you the good news in a picture. Let's put this picture up here. This is the story of the gospel. God created the world and it was perfect. But then, mankind, with our great, 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 grandpa and grandma, they decided that they wanted to be God in their own lives. And the fall occurred. They raised a fist to God and said, thanks, but no thanks. We're going to run things now. You can just kind of shove off. And we have been born to them. And you know what our natural proclivity is? 
I'm going to do it my way, Burger King. Let's go my way. We live in this fallen state in which we try to be the king in our own lives. And the good news for us is that God said, you know what? It's not good for you to be there. I'm going to provide a way for you to be redeemed. You are captive. You are a slave, but I'm going to pay the price to free you from your slavery to sin so that you can be set free. I'm going to redeem you. That's really good news, right? That's the news that the angels were declaring that a Savior has been born, that the Redeemer is here. You don't have to continue to live in your sin. New life is available to you. You know what would be a good name for a church? New Life Community Church, in which we do this together. The creation happened. The fall occurred. We all messed up. Every one of us have sinned, but Jesus provided a way for us to experience new life. Romans 6, 23 says, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. It is a gift. The king showed up and he brought you a gift. Normally, kings want you to bring them gifts. Our king says, nah, I got something for you. You can't afford to buy me anything I need, but I can give you the one thing that your soul needs. I can give you salvation. And if you want to experience the full joy of God. You have to embrace redemption because some of you, let's put my little stick figure in here. I like him. You're standing right here. You're living as though Jesus never showed up. You're just living in your sin, bound and confused and wondering why there's not happiness. Maybe you pray to God, but you're not surrendering to him and allowing him to become your life. I have given him my life. When you give him your life, you move through redemption and you, can we move our stick figure? Oh, you move over. And this is full of joy. I am redeemed. But the world's still broken, right? It's not been fully restored. But there's a second coming. Jesus is coming back, the second advent. Oh my goodness, he's gonna set the whole world right. But in the meantime, you know what we're supposed to be doing? We're supposed to be helping restore what God originally intended. We're to bring heaven to earth. We are to say, Lord, let your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. You know how we bring the kingdom? By submitting to the king. When we put ourselves in his kingdom and respond to him as we would when we stand in his presence in heaven, when we do that now, we are bringing heaven to earth. Oh, and that's the good news. And the world may be broken, but he's going to put it all back together at the end. If you have not stepped over what I call the line of faith, if you have not embraced the redemption that Jesus has for you, then there's probably not joy available to you. You're probably not living in peace and you're probably not living with hope. And this candle that we're gonna light next week is the candle of love. And whatever version of love you have, it's not what his is. Because until you step over that, you don't understand love. Because he loves deeper and more than you ever could dream or imagine. My encouragement for every one of you, if you have not stepped over the line of faith, if you've not accepted the free gift that Jesus provided, is to accept it. It is life-changing. You will never be the same. And a process of restoration begins in your life. He begins to make you new by changing how you think, by putting you into relationship with others, by allowing his spirit to live inside of you. Oh, it's amazing. It's an amazing thing that is available to us. I, I, I like action movies. Anybody action movie fan in here? I love action movies. I, I like action movies, especially when there's a rescue involved, right? I don't remember all of the movies that have rescue, but there's so many. But there was one I remember from years ago in which they got trapped under a tunnel underneath like water. 
Like, I don't even know what happened, and like it collapsed, and so they had to send this rescue team to save the people that were in the tunnel. And in the tunnel were these people who were prim and proper, who were from like a different elite level of living. Maybe it was like the president's wife, maybe it was somebody, and they normally would carry themselves with such esteem. They would carry themselves in a, such a sophisticated manner. But when they were in need of rescue, these people would do anything. They looked disheveled, they were filthy, they didn't look good. And it was amazing at the end of some of these movies, you guys see these action movies, that when they rescue the person that needs rescuing, and their hair's all over the place, and their clothes are half ripped off, and their makeup's a mess, that they are so full of joy. Because nothing else mattered. I was going to die, and I've been rescued. No longer are they thinking about how they appear. No longer are they thinking about the superficial. They're considering the fact that I almost died, and now I'm alive. I think some of us have got to come to that place in which we stop thinking about how others see us, and we just are so thankful and joyful that Jesus saved us. Can you remember what your life was like before you met Jesus? Or have you just tried to forget it? Remember the hard nights. Remember the times in which you didn't think you could go on. Remember the times that you struggled. And now think about where you're at. Oh, friends, there is some joy. We sometimes forget what God's done and our faith diminishes. Remember he has saved you. Oh, there is joy. Let me give you a few closing thoughts. Number one, I want you to know that rejoicing, joy, is a choice. Philippians 4, 4, Paul says, rejoice in the Lord always. And then he just wants to reiterate it. So he literally says, I'll say it again, rejoice. <laughs> In case you need to know what we need to do today, we need to rejoice. I'll say it again, rejoice. If I can just turn it on and turn it off, guess what? It's a choice. It's not a seesaw. Get those legs kicking on that swing. You start remembering what God's done for you. Rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. A lot of times we, uh, we need to change what we have on repeat in our mind. I have kids and I have a Spotify account hooked up to our TV and all of a sudden I'm hearing the same song like 20 million times. And it's a song that only a five-year-old would like and is driving me up a wall. And I go and I find out that he's got it on repeat. As soon as the song ends, it starts over. And I kept thinking, when is this song going to get over? It's the longest song ever. It's on repeat. It's just infiltrating his little head in my head. I think we need to change what we have on repeat in our lives. What do you have constantly feeding how you're thinking? Some of us have got the wrong thing on repeat. We're listening to the wrong voices. We have the wrong inputs. We need to change what we have on repeat. I know not everybody is on social media in here, but you can find yourself scrolling and scrolling and scrolling. And do you know what is a, a great hindrance to joy in your life? Comparison. Man, I would really like to vacation like that. Wow. I didn't know you could do that. Wow, they look really nice. Wow, their marriage looks like it's really strong. Wow, they look happy at their job. Wow, did they get a bonus at work? I can allow all of those things to rob my joy. If you spend 20 minutes scrolling, comparing, 
Are you offsetting that with 20 minutes in God's Word? I mean, how mind-boggling would this be if you didn't do 20 minutes of this and did 20 minutes of the Bible? (laughs) Rejoicing is a choice, but I want you to know that, number two, rejoicing is a fight. It's not easy. We live in a, a battle, not a bubble. If we lived in a bubble, rejoicing would be great. Nothing bad can happen to me. But we live in a battle. And I'm telling you that comparison is an enemy to joy, and we live in a world of comparison. Galatians 5, it says, the sinful nature, the old part of you, it wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. There's this tension, this inner battle inside of you, and the Spirit gives us desires that are opposite to what the sinful nature desires. How cool is that? We're getting new desires. But these two forces are constantly fighting each other, so you are not free to carry out your good intentions. But when you're directed by the Spirit, You're under no obligation to the law of Moses. And when you follow the desires of your sinful nature, you do the things you're not supposed to, man, the results are very clear. Check this out. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, and parties. Oh, wild parties. And other sins like these. I think it's interesting that there's a few things in there that just kind of got slipped in there. Uh, There's a lot we could talk about there, but like jealousy, selfish ambition, Envy, we got to be careful because that's not from God. And when we begin to compare and begin to look, we're not being led by God's Spirit. Let me tell you again, as I've said before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the Holy Spirit, what's the Holy Spirit produce in us? Well, the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, pink candle, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. And verse 24 is the one. If you want to memorize a verse, this is it. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. If you want joy in your life, you're going to have to fight. And there is no joy unless Something has died. You're going to have to crucify something to that cross. Well, no, I want, I want his joy and what I want. It doesn't work that way. You've got to nail what you want to the cross, and his joy can then be found. When we walk in our calling, when we do what God's called us to do, when we walk in our purpose, that is when we will walk in God's joy. When we try to do it any other way, we will not experience the fullness of his joy. It's interesting that we want joy to be this emotion given to us, and Jesus says, it's not an emotion that I give to you, it's who I am, which is our third and final point, that rejoicing is rooted in Jesus. It's rooted in Jesus. It's not something I receive, it's someone he is. And when I have Jesus, I have hope, I have peace and I have joy. In 1719, Isaac Watts, who was a pastor, tried to paraphrase the last five verses of Psalm 98. And what came out is what we know as joy to the world. Joy to the world, the Lord is come. Let earth receive her king. Let every heart prepare him room and heaven and nature sing. 
joy to the earth, the Savior reigns. Let men their songs employ, while fields and floods, rocks, hills, and plains repeat the sounding joy. The verse often omitted is verse 3. No more let sins and sorrows grow, nor thorns infest the ground. He comes to make his blessings flow far as the curse is found. He rules the world with truth and grace and makes the nations prove the glories of his righteousness and the wonders of his love. And the wonders of his love. And the wonders of his love. Would you pray with me? Jesus, I thank you that we live at the moment in history that we live, that we are not awaiting your first arrival. We're not awaiting that first advent, but Lord, we are on a side of eternity in which there is a gift available to us that your son made that is allowing us to be able to step out of our old life and into a new life that you are transforming us from who we were into the people that you would call us to be, that we are actually able to embrace the humanity that you desired for us. You're teaching us a new way to be human. I ask you, Lord, that we would each accept the free gift that you have for us. And if there's anyone here who's not stepped over that line of faith, may today be the day that they say, God, I give you my life. It's a simple prayer. It's not the only prayer they will have, but it's the beginning of a conversation. God, I give you my life. And Lord, I pray that as you hear them, God, that you would meet them right where they're at and that you would just overwhelm them with joy. I pray, God, for happy tears to come. I pray that they would recognize the true joy that comes from you. As we approach Christmas this next week, God, I just ask that you would Allow us to be full of hope and peace and joy, just as we were as kids looking forward to what we might receive on Christmas Day. But Lord, may we reflect and remember what we've already received, and may it fill our hope tank full. May we overflow with peace, and may we overflow with joy. We thank you for loving us, and we look forward to being with you face to face one day. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Thank you for listening to this message. For more information, please visit newlifekc.com.